You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. We're talking about dreaming, and I think it's uh, ironic that uh, tomorrow is Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Day, and you know we know he's famous for the speech in 1963 where he stood in Washington D.C. and said, "I have a dream." Um, and so we're talking about dreaming. Uh, I'm going to talk about that whole subject today, uh, but I want to start with this. You know that we talked about last week having the spirit of faith. You have to have the spirit of faith to have a dream from God, and you have to get closer to God. You have to get so close you can hear the whisper, how he wants to talk to you. He wants to whisper you a dream. He doesn't, he doesn't want to shout it. And he told Elijah that I'm not in the wind or the, or the, or the earthquake or the fire, but you, know, you can see those things. You can know about me uh, uh, through those things, but you can't know me unless you get close to me. He said in the New Testament, he said, if you draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. And then you'll hear that whispered. He'll speak those dreams and those things to you. But it takes certain elements. And so I heard a story the other day of a man that does a high wire act, you know, and a lot of times in these major cities, especially New York City, these guys will plan for months and months and months to stretch a wire across two buildings and uh, uh, walk across these, in between these two buildings right in the middle of New York City. They have to do it pretty quickly, and they have to plan it out really well because when the police arrive, that's over because they, they don't have permits for walking across two buildings in New York City. You're not allowed to do that, so they kind of do it illegally, but they do it anyway and film it. It's all on YouTube. You can go look some of that up. But one guy was doing that, and he was walking across, and he, was, he walked back and forth between these two really high buildings, the type of hike that'll make your feet tingle. And so he's walking on this little wire without a, without a harness or a rope or anything. So if he falls, he's dead. And he's walking. And, you know, inevitably, people start to notice and the crowd gathers. And he walks back and forth and back and forth. And they're cheering him on. And he's doing it. And he gets to one side after doing it several times. And he looks down at this crowd that is gathered. And he said, do you guys think that I can push a wheelbarrow across this thing? And they all yell, yes, you can do it. You notice they said, you can do it, right? And so he said, do you really believe it? And they said, yes, yes, I really believe it. And there was one man in particular in the front of this crowd to his right that was yelling it. There was crowds on both sides of him. And he said, man, you, sir, do you really believe it? And the guy said, yes, I do. I, matter of fact, I know you can do it. And he said, well, how about this, sir? How about if I put some weight in this wheelbarrow? Could you think I could push it if there was some weight in it? And the guy sat there for a second. He goes, you know what? I'm confident. You can do it. You can push that across there with some weight in it. And he said, are you sure, sir? Are you absolutely certain? He goes, I am absolutely certain. I have total confidence. I believe you can push that wheelbarrow with weight in it across, across that and walk that across there. And he said, okay, sir, you believe it? He said, yes. He said, okay, come on up here and get in the wheelbarrow. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of people believe until it gets personal. That's the point of that. A lot of people believe until it gets personal. The Bible even says demons believe that God exists and they tremble before him. But they, they don't trust in him. It's not personal to them. 
They fear at a distance. They believe at a distance. You know, the difference between that believe, when it says demons even believe, and it said, when we say we believe that all those that believe in Jesus Christ will be saved, that difference in that belief is the one who makes it personal and actually gets in the world barrel and trusts them with their life. Trust God with your life. You want to dream a dream? You got to trust God with your life. You got to be willing to get in the world barrel and let him push you across there. It's got to be personal to you. Personal. It was personal to Dr. King, Reverend King, Pastor King, our brother in Christ King. It was personal to him. He felt a call of God. He believed God called him to take that stand and called him to speak. And as God opened doors, he kept walking through them. And he was called to, to minister to our whole nation. And you notice where that happened. The government tried to fix these things and made everything worse. But when the church arose, when a man of God rose up with a dream, oh, what happened? Things started happening. Things started taking off. But the church had to arise. God had to find a man of God that would rise up. And, he, and Dr. King laid down his life for that dream. He was, he was in the world barrel. He jumped right in with Jesus. Amen? That's what it takes to have a dream. So in honor of that, you know, we have dreams for our church to build a park and to start New Mexico Dream Center and do these things. We have these dreams of ours. And we've, we've all dreamed big together and done something that's never been done in the history of our city. You realize that? That there's never been a church this size in the history of our city? There's never been a church that has given away. We've given away over two, we've given away $4.5 million. Two point uh, three of that were given, was given away locally here in Roswell. No church has ever done that. We set history record. No one's ever built a youth building like that. There's no youth building like that in all the city. There's no children's building like this in all the city. There's not nurseries like that in all the city. There's not a sanctuary like this in all the city. Seriously, there's not a foyer like that in all the city. Guys, we set, we set, we're called to set the standard of dreaming. And we have more dreams. And what God says, you, he said, faithful with another man's, he'll give you your own. A lot of times you'll start off with helping someone else fulfill their dream. And in the middle of that, God will give you your dream. And so I like sowing in other people's dreams. So we, we sow into the Dream Center in Los Angeles, the original one. We sow into all these ministries in, in our city and outside our city. Into other, other dreams that God has put in the heart of other people. We sow into to these dreams, Special Olympics. Um, uh, we sow into the dreams of these children in Mexico and the dreams of our children in foster care here. We sow and sow and sow and sow. And we're going to sow a special seed into a dream of a man from Chicago. His name is Pastor Corey Brooks. If you watch Fox News, you've seen him on there time after time, national news. On not, not the local New Mexico Fox News. I'm talking about national news. He's, he was on there time and time again. They talk about him all the time. They've interviewed him time and time and time again because he's trying to make a difference in the city of Chicago. It's amazing that God would move in Roswell, New Mexico to try to help the people in Chicago, but that's how God operates, amen? That's how God operates. 
Pastor Brooks started a church there 23 years ago. Pastor, he started pastor when he was 23, and then eventually he ended up moving to Chicago and planting a church there. Across the street from the church was a hotel that was abandoned, and the city would not tear it down. He, he asked them to tear it down. He went and knocked on every door, filled out every paper. They would not tear it down. And so, like any other abandoned building in the middle of a ghetto, it was filled with drug addicts, people being raped, shot, murdered in that building on a day-to-day. On a day. He was there every day. And so he said, what am I going to do? And so God said, do what you can do. This is how dreams are. He did what he could do. He went and planted his rear end on the top of that hotel because it was just open to anybody. He went and lived on the top of it for 100 days and got the call the news media, and finally they put so much pressure on the city, they came and tore that thing down. That's what happened. Because God's the God of restoration, that he brings life into, uh, uh, in, in, into things that seem dead. That he also said, he said, not only do I want this hotel torn down, but we're going to build a community center right on top of where that was. Because God takes what was meant for evil and turns it around for good. And that is called Project Hood. And he sat on top of uh, some, uh, some shipping containers across the street from his church where that hotel was uh, for 363 days. For over, over 11 months, almost the whole year. And prayed. And they would interview him. Fox News would interview him on top of those crates because the murder rate and the crime rate in Chicago has exploded. They call it, they call it Iraq. They call it Afghanistan. It's like a war, it's a war zone. 111 just this year alone, 0 to 19-year-olds were killed in Chicago. 229 20 to 29-year-olds. 207 30 to 39-year-olds. 83 40 to 49-year-olds. 50, from 50 to 59, 29 people murdered. 60 to 69, 27. Then 4, 2, and 3. That total is the highest murder rate in the history of Chicago, the highest murder rate in the history of America for any city, ever. Their crime rate in 2021 of murders and assaults and robberies and all these things was 47,552. This year, the last year, 2022, it rose to 66,855. And what's unbelievable is the people of that city are so messed up in their thinking. They have what I call stinking thinking. And they bought into this woke nonsense. They bought into this, this America is a racist nation. Is there racism in America? Every one of us know there is. But is it racist? Abs There's no way it could be racist. And anybody of color ever rise to do anything, to even have a job. Buy a house. Do anything. It's crazy thinking. And they bought into it, and they're going to reelect this mayor there's Mayor Lightfoot. They're going to reelect her. They're going to reelect her and let her run the city down even further. It's crazy what they bought into mentally. They, needed, they need help. 
and Christians are going to be the ones to do it. So what did God do? He calls a pastor, a man of God, to rise up, get the building tore down, and let us build something in its place that will make a difference. He already has all these ministries going. Every ministry he wants to do in that place, he's already been doing for years and years and years and years. Retraining kids, taking kids in. I mean, he's mentored. I've seen the interviews. He's interviewed all these kids that have come out of gangs and violence, and now one of them's a lawyer. He interviewed one's a doctor. I mean, he's and he's personally mentored and, and ministered to these children in the middle of this war zone. And we're going to sow $5,000 into that, and I'm going to challenge all of you, let's match it. Julie and I are going to give personally, let's, let's, let's match it. And there's a way, I'm going to show you a way how to do that in just a moment, but I want you to watch that, that he raised enough millions of dollars. You have to understand, to build something in, this, in any kind of major city in America, they've made it a nightmare. And it probably cost $10 million more than it would have cost to build anywhere else. Because you got to grease, I mean, it's just, it's horrible what they've turned that into. Because everybody's got their hand out wanting money. The government, everybody wants your money to build something there. And so he's, but he's fighting it, and he's standing, and he's, he's, he's willing to stand up and fight this battle. So here's a news report of when they broke ground to start Project Hood and build that community center right there where that hotel was. One, two, three. Ceremonial shovels went in the ground Saturday morning after Project Hood founder and New Beginnings church pastor Corey Brooks reached his campaign goal of $20 million. It's all to build a community center in Woodlawn. We have to have places so that we can help transform the lives of people so that we can keep all children safe. Every single child, regardless of color, deserves the right to grow up in a peaceful environment without being devastated by violence. For the past 11 months, the roof of a shipping container has been the pastor's makeshift home. It's also the site where the center will eventually be built. He has pushed through the cold weather, missed holidays, and was near gunfire just to raise money for it. It's taken sacrifice, but to get to this point, to see the community, see so many people who are happy about it and who are for it, it makes everything worth it every night. Uh, away from my family, every night away from my new grandson, every night away from my church. Uh, it, it's been it's been a blessing. The center would include classrooms, a gym, restaurants, plus much more. Community members spoke to the pastor's dedication of getting his vision translated into a reality. This is what it looks like when church and community and elected officials get together to do something for the good of the community. We always talk about putting things into action, right? Right now, this is a man who actually put his mouth into action. We're going to continue to do all of our programs. Our violence prevention team is going to continue to work the neighborhood. We're going to continue to recruit people to take uh, our construction classes. We're going to continue to start businesses. The pastor still needs to raise another $15 million to complete the building without debt. He's relying on the power of prayer and help of generous donors who help see through this. Through this. Yeah. I have a dream. He has a dream, and he's already made a difference. But he wants to make a bigger difference, and we're going to sow into that. I believe it's going to take the government, obviously, they make everything worse. Every, listen to the young, I want to tell these young people something. Government solutions that come from big government usually, almost every single time, make the problem worse, not better. 
It's the church that has to rise up because God alone and God alone, God alone has the answers to every problem. He has the solution to every human being's issues. He's got the solution. He's the problem solver, and he solves it at the highest level. This will make more difference than every government dollar. Here's what's sad is they spend, they've spent millions and millions and millions in Chicago of government money, tax, our taxpayers' money, and it's gone downhill because it's corrupt. It's full of the government's full of corruption. Everybody's taking money from these deals, and they are, they, without Jesus, it makes no difference what they're doing. But with Jesus... With Jesus, I said, but with Jesus, there's going to be a difference made with Jesus. In the past, we've given that money locally, but you know what? It's time to sow into someone else's dream so we can live ours. And so Julie and I are going to sow. I'm going to ask you to sow. Uh, Pastor Sean reminded me today that I need to let them put that how you can sow up on the screen. Go ahead and put that up there if you have that. And let you actually look at it because I've just blew by it in first service. Ways to give. So you can go the same way you give any other way. You can go on there and, and uh, with, is there a box or something that says Project Hood? Oh, it's coming up. Oh, you'll see this? Oh, anyway, whatever, whatever you do with computers. <laughs> whatever you do with computers, the computer people, you know what to do with that information. I don't know what to do with any of that. But I'm going to give. Thank God my wife does. Uh, but, guys, listen, this is about sowing into dreams. And this started small. This started with him starting a church in Chicago in the inner city. In the inner city, small church. Everything that God starts starts with a seed. I said everything that God starts starts with a seed. It starts small. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 19. I love what God says about this. He says in verse 19, when God fulfills your longings or dreams, that word longings mean dreams, sweetness fills your soul, joy fills your soul. Man, it's one thing to dream dreams, it's a whole nother thing to live dreams. When you live dreams, it's full of, man, there's a joy about it. There's a joy about it. Every time I walk into these buildings that we dreamed of and I see how, how Church on the Move has continued to grow and continue to reach our community and continue to make a difference, man, these were dreams we all dreamed together 21 years ago. Some of you longer than that. And now we get to, when I walk through there and I see our children's buildings, see what we built for our children, I see what we've done for our youth, I, it just puts a joy in my heart because we don't just dream dreams at Church on the Move. We live dreams. And we get to taste the sweetness. We get to taste the sweetness. Sweetness fills our souls. And then it says this, but the wicked refuse to turn from darkness and see their desires come to pass. You know, some people are just, man, they, they refuse to turn from the darkness and they'll never see the dreams that God has dreamed for them and the things that God wants to do in them and through them. They'll never see them come to pass. They'll never experience it. Can they build big things? Yeah, obviously the world can build big companies and big stuff, but it's not satisfying the way it is when you know you did it for the kingdom of God, when you know that you did it to honor him and that out of honoring him, he exalts you, he blesses you, and out of blessing you, you have truly blessed others. That's what a God-given dream is like, feels like. 
And it should be so powerful, and it can be so powerful, it'll change the whole direction of your life. I was going one direction in my life. I was going a certain direction in my life, and God just said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a dream and change the whole direction of your life. And instead of being an advocate in a courtroom, I'm an advocate in the courtroom of the kingdom of God. And he just changed my, a dream will change your direction. It changed the whole direction of my life. Some people think that God only cares if we are following all the rules, the do's, the don'ts. I go to church, I, I fight sin, I pray, and then he doesn't care about anything else. Matter of fact, a lot of people even preach that, that God doesn't care about anything. Oh my goodness, how does the God who counts every hair on your head not care about the little and the big? How does the God that says, cast all your cares, big, little, medium size, on me because I care for you, not care about the little? How does the God that says, I knit you, I stitched you, I made you, I created you, that, that word knit means like a tapestry, like a beautiful, man, if you've ever seen anybody knit or weave a tapestry, man, it's, they have to pay attention to every, the good ones at it pay attention to every stitch and every detail, and they know, they know, if they mess up, you wouldn't even know, they'll say, ah, I messed up on that one stitch, and you'll be like, what are you talking about, I don't see, but they know that one they messed up on. God knows. He said he stitched you. He, he made us like a beautiful tapestry inside our mother's womb. He cares about everything. He cares about the little and the big. He said faithful with a ruler over much. He cares about the little. He cares about the little things you do and the little things you don't do. But he cares about the little because he knows everything starts little. Everything starts little. Look up here at Zechariah 4.10. Man, I like what God says here. For he who despised the day of small beginnings, man, he, he's like, don't despise the day of small beginnings. For he says, for these seven rejoice to see the plumb line. Another translation of that verse says, for God rejoices to see. The seven he's talking about are the seven spirits of God, which is the seven ways in which the Holy Spirit expresses himself. Wisdom, I mean, I could name them, but just the seven ways the Holy Spirit expresses himself. Counsel, wisdom, comfort, all those things. He said, rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Listen, he's saying, I'm looking, I'm looking throughout the whole earth to see if somebody that has gotten a dream from me will put the plumb line to it. When you put the plumb line to it, what is that, Jordan? When you start to measure, what's that? That's the beginning, right? If you measure at the end, how's that turn out? Jordan's one of the best welders I know. He can build anything. And so, and I say that, and then now somebody's going to ask him to build something. He's going to say, Pastor Troy, what did you do to me? He said, but, but you got to start. You got to start by measuring it out. So what he's saying is, man, he's looking for someone that will do the, that will start with the little, that will even start just to measure it out. Just begin. He said he, he rejoices in the beginning of a small thing. He rejoices in it. He just wants someone to start, someone to get moving, someone to get to stepping, someone to say, God, I'm going to press in so close to you because I know I, I can see you in the earth and the stars and the big things. I'll speak of your majesty and your greatness, but the, and I can know about you through that, but the only way I can know you is if I press in and put my ear on your lips and hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit tell me what I need to be doing right now. Give me the dream. 
I got to get close. That's why he said, you draw closer to me, I'll draw closer to you. That's why he said, if you delight in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart. And if you commit your way to me, I will bring it to pass. It's personal, it's intimate, and you got to jump in the wheelbarrow. You got to jump in. It's got to be personal. It's got to be intimate. Everything that starts in God's kingdom starts with a seed. When he made the animal kingdom, he said, I made, I made plants that have, anybody know? What do plants have? Seeds. That's what he said. Then he made human beings. And what does men have? Seeds. Everything, everything, starts, with a, everything starts with a seed. He created it and then put seeds in it and said, now everything's going to start small, but it's not going to stay small. It's going to start growing, 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 growing. I'm so grateful when my kids were born, they didn't stay that size. <laughs> little babies walking around. No, they begin to grow. Everything that starts as a seed. And God said, don't despise the days of small beginnings. Don't, don't forsake that. That's how every dream starts. A lot of people think, man, because I don't have it all, this guy, he broke ground, he still needs $15 million. That ain't stopping him from starting. That's not stopping him from starting. Because he knows God cares. He knows God loves. Uh, he knows this too that without a dream, you'll lose hope. Without, without dreaming about something and expecting something in the future, you lose hope. But in order to have a God, a God authentic dream, it has to be based on your relationship with him. It has to be based on your relationship with him. When I dreamed of having a wife, it was based on my relationship with him. And he took me through this process um, when I was single of laying down having a wife as my idol and actually making him God. To the point one day, I hit my knees at 27 and I said, I said, God, it, was a, it wasn't a sad day. It was a, I had a great day. And I could tell he was teaching me this thing. And I, I walked into my apartment, and a lot of times I'd be mad, and I'd start kicking. I only had two things to kick. I didn't have much. You know, I'm a, I'm a Spartan, man. I could live with nothing. And so it wasn't until I got married that I had to have something. Had to have stuff. I wouldn't even let Julie hang pictures on the walls for the first six months. I'm like, I don't want to put holes in the walls. we we'll have to fix that later. She convinced me after six months we need some kind of decorations in the house. But anyway, so I, I kick a few things, and I was usually angry because I'm like, God, where's my wife? Where's my life? Where's this ministry you promised me? Where's all this stuff? And, man, God was teaching me how to be faithful with a little so I could be ruler over much. And so I remember I walked in, and it was a great day, and I hit my knees and said, God, listen, you and me are more than enough. And my wife, having a wife is no longer an idol, I can tell, Lord. It's no longer, it's not like something I'm going to ever be frustrated or mad about again. I trust you with my life. I'm in the wheelbarrow. And I trust you to do what you're going to do. You know what the desire of my heart? I put it in your hands. And it wasn't too much later I met Julie. After I got to a place where I did not, I wasn't going to idolize a person or idolize marriage. But I kept God as God and put everything else in perspective. And you know what, Julie and I, you know, I didn't, I didn't, God didn't say, give me a dream in, at night and say, hey, show up to this address, it's a church, we're a tux. You're, you're getting married that day. No, he didn't tell me that. 
I had, it started off small, started off with a phone call, then a, then a date, and then another date, and then another date. And then she kept calling and bugging me and stalking me, so I said, okay. <laughs> I have to marry you, all right. Just start stalking me. Stop calling me all the time. <laughs> I remember after our first date, I thought, I don't want to seem desperate, but I love the girl already. So I said, I can't call her the next day. I wanted to. I thought about her all day. I want to call her. No, don't, don't do it. You'll seem desperate. Don't do it. Don't do it. Next day, don't do it. Don't. I really want to call her. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And next day, no, I'm not calling her. I'm not going to call her. Not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Not, I can't, how many, can't remember how many days I waited, but I waited several days. Then the day came, I said, I'm going to call her. You know, so it just begins, but it begins small. Then it begins to grow. Amen. Don't forsake that. God always begins that way. But you got to take a step. I had to call her. I had to get a date with her. I had to ask her for the next day. I, it started there. That's how it starts. That's how God starts everything. And he, gave, he gives you hope with that. He wants to, to give you the desires of your heart. I just quoted that scripture. He said he wants to give you the desires of her heart, their heart. I had a person tell me just recently that when they were four years old, their daddy was a paramedic, and there was an accident out in front of their house, and their dad went out and helped people, and she watched, and she came back in the house and said, and she might be here today, I don't know if she is or not, but she said, I'm going to be a nurse at four. God planted that in her heart. Some people know at four. Some people don't know until they're 44. But you got to pursue and God, the whole time God's preparing you, I used to wonder, God, what in the world am I doing all these other jobs for? Why am I, why am I a loan officer in this, with this company? Why am, I, why am I doing working for farmers insurance? Why am I doing all these things, God? Why, why, am, why, why are you having me doing all this stuff? Man, after, after, after a while, I realized God was training me for the ministry. Through all the things that I'd been through, he was training me. He was teaching me what he called me to do. And he hadn't called everybody to the ministry. I know a lot of people think, man, I don't want to do my job anymore. I want to do your job. Your job looks so easy. Yeah, someone told us that recently that, hey, man, you guys make church service. We just show up. We do praise and worship. And, man, you preach and we go home. And Guys, you know how many, you know how many hours? What did we figure up? A hundred man hours? Over a hundred hours just to put on one service of work. You got to figure, you know, someone cleaned that seat. Someone cleaned this floor. Some, I mean, they, they spend hours in praise and worship practice. I spend hours and hours and hours preparing a message. I mean, just, just the, to prepare the nurseries, the children's building, the uh, uh, 180s class that they have during these times. Guys, it's over 100 hours of labor just to put on one service. Someone came and saw that and thought, they said, I cannot believe how easy you guys make that look. Easy for you, not easy for us. But worth it. Amen. But worth it. Amen. Worth every minute of it. I think about Ephesians 3.20 that we ended with last week where I showed you three different translations of Ephesians 3.20 where God keeps saying over and over again, I'm going to do exceedingly abundantly above what you dare ask, what you dare ask. Oh, man, when's the last time you dared to ask God something? Golly. Or dream. Ask or dream. He said, I'm going to do, do super abundantly above. He wants to do good things. He said, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
He says it over and over and over all the time. I'm good. I want to do a good, I have a good plan for you. I have a good things for you. I have, he said, I prepared good works for you before the beginning of time. I prepared you for certain things that if you want to partner with me, they'll be fulfilling and they'll bring peace and joy to your life. They'll bring that. They'll bring peace and joy. It won't just be something you do and at the end of the day say, golly, am I doing any good here? It'll be something that fulfills you and it's, it lines up with the gifts and callings that God has given you. The gifts and callings that God has given you. That's what he wants to do. He wants to partner with us. Go with me to John 16, verse 24. John 16, 24. He's got a plan. And he wants to partner with us. And he wants, this, he wants to go on this journey with us. But it has to be a true partnership. Let me say it again. If you want to live a God dream, it's got to be a true partnership. That means you do all the things in the physical that you can do, and then you have to believe God for the supernatural to do the things he can only do. And that no dream from God, let me, I said this before, no dream from God will not require you to have to get in the wheelbarrow. To have, it's going to get personal, and you're going to have to stand in faith, and you're going to have to believe God to help you. Otherwise, it's not a God dream. It's not a partnership with him. If you can do it all on your own, you haven't, you haven't dreamed. I look at some of the people that on their own without God, without uh, believing God, have accumulated massive businesses and grown massive things and companies, and I think, what could those people do if they would ever, ever turn to God? It would be amazing what they could do and what they could accomplish. They've not even touched the surface of what they can do. But in John 16, 24, Jesus is talking about asking God, praying. And he says, until now, you've not been bold enough to ask the Father for a single thing in my name. But now you can ask. You know, that's why I pray. I pray in, to the Father in the name of Jesus because of this verse. I don't say in your name. I say the name of Jesus. I say Jesus' name because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not afraid to, sh to pray in the name of Jesus. And he said, and keep asking him. Otherwise, ask and keep on asking. And you can be sure that you'll receive what you ask for and your joy will have no limits. God wants our joy to have no limits. He doesn't want us just to pray, but he wants us to experience answered prayer. But a lot of times we don't because we don't pray with this, with this passion. We don't pray with faith. We don't pray. Uh, we're not willing to, to, to give it birth. And we're going to talk more about that uh, at the end of my message of how to give birth to prayer. How to give birth to prayer. How to, how to pray it out until it happens. How to pray it out until it happens. And how to partner with God. we got to truly partner. We have to go to him to get an authentic dream. You know, I, I don't like it when people always want to live someone else's dream. Man, I, I see people trying, some people trying to do ministry, some people trying to do other things, and I'm like, everybody who knows you knows you're good at this, but you, but you, you want to do this because that's what you want to do. Instead of doing what God's created and called you to do and finding joy in that. I mean, some people's giftings are just obvious. But they don't want, they want to live someone else's life or someone else's dream. They think it'll be easier or they'll get more credit. 
You know, a lot of times when I go to places around the world, if you can get a pastor title, that makes you somebody. So everybody wants to be in the ministry. It's crazy because that title makes you somebody in these third world countries and cultures. It makes you, gives you some authority. That's why we have some, and I'm, I'm not opposed to small churches, but man, we have some guys, they're preaching to their family members for the last 15, 20 years. No one's getting saved. The church isn't growing, and they're not making any difference, and then they begin to convince themselves that they're the only holy ones. That's why their church is 15, 30, 40 people and stays that way, because they're just holy and everybody else is sorry. That's just not true. But because somebody wants a platform in a pulpit, they'll keep those people hostage because they're loyal. And they'll convince them of it. They'll preach that every week. We're the holy ones. And everybody else is unholy. And they'll hold those people back because they weren't called to it. Or if they were called, they aren't living according to the word. They aren't doing things according to the word. They're doing things according to religion, how they want to do it instead of how God wants to do it. God wants to change all that. I said God wants to change all that. But we have to have the mindset of Romans 8 that we are led by the spirit, not by our flesh. You have to be led by the Spirit. You have to purpose. I'm not going to be led by my flesh. I'm not going to be led by my feelings and my emotions. I'm going to be led by my spirit. A lot of people, things get hard and they give up on the dream God called them to because they think if I go do this, this will be less hard. Oh my gosh, that's what a lie. Then they start doing that and they figure out that's hard and now Satan's got them on the run because every time they hit hard, they leave. Can I tell you something? You'll never live a dream until you're willing to do the hard things. You'll never live a dream until you're willing to do the hard things. You're going to face some hard moments. Why? Because we, we have an enemy called Satan. He's going to fight you tooth and nail. It's going to be hard. It's going to be, there's going to be some difficulties. There's going to be some struggles. But I, I want to say this to you. God never dreams. Even though dreams start small, God never dreams small. He, told, he called Abraham out from his country, him and Sarah, and they left their, their, their country and traveled the, way, the direction God wanted them to go, and, and they end up believing God. Abraham and, and or Abram at that time and Sarai were believing God for one child, and then God took Abraham out in Genesis 22, 7, and he said, he said I'm going to show you the sand, and I'm going to show you the stars. I'm going to make you a nation of, I'm going to make you a whole nation from you and Sarah. And I'm going to change your name from Sarai to Sarah, the mother of, of, uh, of many nations. And I'm going to change your name to, to Abraham, the father of many nations. I'm going to change your name. And guess what? It all started with a seed. It all started with a seed. And they had one child. They had one. I'm sure when, they, when Abraham saw that, I, I, I'm sure he's thinking, oh my gosh, Sarah, you better get ready. We're going to have 3,000 children. It's going to be fun for me and very hard on you. But God did it with one. One child when he was 100 and she was 90. One. It all begins small, but it didn't stay small. The, the Jewish nation grew to the millions from one child. One dream. One man, one woman, one seed. Started small, but don't dis despise the day of small beginnings. You got to put the plumb line to it. You got to get it started. 
you got to start somewhere. And there's always two sides to every dream. Revelations 1, 6 says, And have made us kings and priests to our God. Otherwise, Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the high priest and the king. And he said, I've made you little, K, little K, K and little P. I've made you kings and priests below me. And so that means we have to do the king side and the priest side too. There's two sides to every dream. What's the king side? Kings fight the battles. Kings pay the bills. Kings build the roads. Kings build the buildings. Kings, kings lead and, and, and direct people to do the work. What do priests do? They pray to God to do the supernatural. The priests bring in the supernatural and the kings bring in the natural. And together, that's how you fulfill a dream. It's going to take you and God. You're going to have to be a king and a priest. A lot of churches don't grow because they, have, they do a great job. on the, They believe God. They pray. They, they sit in their church for hours and hours and pray, and nothing happens. Why? Because they won't do the king side well. They don't manage things well. You've got to do both. Wisdom and faith work together. Love and truth work together. Being a king and a priest works together, and you've got to do both to fulfill a dream. And you have to understand that to, to fulfill a dream, on the priest side, you, on the king side, you got to put your hand to do something. God said, I'll bless what you put your hand to do. you got to put your hand to something. And not just for a minute. you got to be consistent. And then he wants us to pray. He wants us to pray and make a difference in our prayers and with our prayers. Oh, man, I'm out of time, so i got to go skip over with me to James, the book of James, chapter 5. James, chapter 5. Starting in verse 13, I'm going to read. Are there any believers in your fellowship suffering great hardship and distress? Encourage them to pray. That word sickness there means, uh, or, or suffering there means weariness. They're just tired. Just tired, man. You need to pray. He said, are there happy, cheerful ones among you? Encourage them to sing out their praises. What are they supposed to do? Sing out praises. I, you can't be quiet in praise. You got to sing out in praise. Are there any sick among you? Then That's the word. Sick means weary. Then ask the elders for the, of the church to come and pray over the sick and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Whose name? Jesus' name. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And if they've committed sins, they will be forgiven. Man, guys, listen, sometimes you're tired. You're tired of, of battling. You're tired of dealing with God. You're just tired. You need someone else to help you. You need someone else to, to connect with you in prayer. It's like the four men that lifted up their buddy. They lifted up their friend and, and said, man, you know what? We're tired of you being you being crippled and lame and sick, man, we're going to do something about it. We heard about this Jesus guy who heals. We're going to come. And, you know, we're going to, and they tried to get in the building and couldn't get in the building. So you know what men do? They got a bucket, a ladder, and then put another ladder on top of that and look like something crazy you wouldn't ever climb on. But they climbed on it. You know, they, they did something to get on the roof. They didn't carry a ladder. They were carrying their friend. So they're like, what do we got? Here's a stick. Let's stand on this and... You know, probably looked real precarious and real stupid. That's why men have a shorter lifespan than women. Women are too smart to do stuff like that. You know, and so, but here they come. They got their buddy. They rig something up. They get him on the roof. And they're like, man, we're just going to dig a hole in the roof. <laughs> After all, we'll be up here. He'll be the one down there. If, this, if it's a problem digging a hole in the roof, they can blame the cripple. And so they lower him down. 
Hey, buddy. They drop him down right in front of Jesus. What happens? Jesus forgives their sins. Exactly what happened. He forgives, he forgives his sins and heals him. And he looks up and he, saw the, he sees the faith of his friends. Sometimes you just need a friend to hook up with you. You need someone else that has some faith. Can I say this to you? Don't go to people with doubt and unbelief. His friends had faith. Don't go to, your, don't go to somebody just going to cry on you. If you need someone to cry with, you go to them. If you need someone to pray, you go to someone that has some faith. Someone that gets answers to prayers. Then he says this, confession and knowledge, how, you, how you've uh, offended one another and then pray for one another to be instantly healed. For tremendous power, listen to this, is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Then he gives an example. Elijah was a man with human frailties, just like all of us. So this applies to every single human being that has frailties. Now, if you think you're perfect, this doesn't apply to you. But if you understand you're a human being, this applies to you. We have frailties. We're not perfect. He said, just like all of us, but he prayed and received supernatural answers. He actually shut heaven, the, the heavens over the land so there would be no rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed again, and the skies opened up over the land so that the rain came again and produced the harvest. And in 1 Kings 18, it describes what happens, that he came out and he said, I heard, he said, I heard the abundance of rain. He, he stopped the rain because God commanded him to do it, and he started the rain because God, God showed him a vision, and he could hear it in the spiritual realm. He heard the abundance of rain. He's like, oh my gosh, God wants me to pray for rain. He did it according to God's will. Listen, you need to pray with your Bible open. He did everything God willed him to do. 1 John 5 says, if you pray according to my will, you know I hear you. And if you know I hear you, you know I'll answer you. You got to pray with your Bible. You got to pray Bible stuff. You got to pray Bible verses out for your life. Teach me how to delight in you so you'll give me the desires of my heart. Help me to commit my way so you'll bring it to pass. That's how you pray. That's how Elijah prayed. But I'm going to tell you what he did. It says, when he heard the abundance of rain, he, he went up with his servant. He told King Ahab, King Ahab, get in your chariot and take off. Take off because it's about to rain. Get out of here, king. Get under the roof because it's about to rain. You better get in your chariot and take off, buddy. It's a 15-mile trek to where you got to go. Take off right now. And he goes over, and he says he crouched down in this position. And he prayed with passion heartfelt prayer. That is the position of a pregnant woman about to give birth. You want to live a dream, you got to give it birth. He crouched down in the position and he prayed, God, I heard the abundance of rain. I believe it's your will. Father, bring the rain in the drought. Bring the rain. He said, servant, go look. And his servant went and looked. He came back. You see anything? No. He prayed seven times. That's not a coincidence. What does the number seven mean? Number of completion. He prayed and prayed five times, six times, seven times. He sent his servant, go look. And he said, he said, oh yeah, I see something. He comes back and goes, what do you see? He see, I, I saw a cloud, the hand of a, the size of a man's fist. You know how little bitty, we have a big sky. You see a cloud the size of, that is a little bitty. Why? Because every dream God bursts begins with little. Every dream he bursts. Begins with little. And Elijah heard that. He got up and said, my prayers have given birth to rain. 
He's tied up his, his garments and said he took off running and he chased down past Ahab's chariot. This is a king. He's got the fastest horses and the best horse. He outran these horses 15 miles and beat them back to the castle. What happened? He was supernaturally charged with the, with the spirit of Almighty God. Why? Because he, he gave birth to a dream. He gave birth to prayer. He gave birth to what God told him to do. That'll supernaturally charge you to, to run supernaturally forward in life. If you'll live the dream, if you're willing to do what he did and get in that birthing position and say, God, I'm praying this out with passion, heartfelt prayer. God, you told me. It's in your word. You said, you said you'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that I desire or even dream. God, do more than this. Do more than what's happened. Do more, Lord. You said he who finds a wife finds a good thing. You said a man should be the charge of their family and should lead their family to you. Teach me how to do that, Lord. Teach me how to dream that. Teach me how to dream about having a great marriage. Teach me how to dream about leading great children. Teach me how to dream. God said he'd make my children's names great. And so that's from the word. I pray the word. God, make my children's names great. Make them great to their wife. Great to their kids. The whole world might not know their name, but somebody's going to know their name, and their name will be great among them. Because you'll be men of God and men of integrity, men that love you. That's what God wants to do. He's looking. He's looking for somebody that hears the sound of the abundance of rain and willing to pray it out. Let God multiply your life. Multiply your life so you can bless someone else's life. Come on, church. Let's dream big because we serve a big God. Gosh, we serve such a big God. Listen, every eye closed here and online. Wow. Man, you might hear this and be thinking, watching online today or next week or right here, right now in this room and be thinking, gosh, I, I, don't, I don't dream like that. Or I have dreamed, but... Man, it's so frustrating to dream, and I've given up hope. Man, you came to the right place. Or I've never had a dream. I, listen, you're never going to have one until you know God. You've got to just not know about Him, but know Him. Because He only whispers the dreams. In order to hear somebody whisper, you have to be really close to Him. You have to, you have to be really close. It can't be for a moment. It's not a jailhouse prayer. It's a lifetime of getting in the wheelbarrow. It's trusting God with your life. Every part of you. Of you every part of your life. Every part. Every single part. All your relationships, you trust Him. All your finances, your work, your job, everything. Your heart, your mind, your body is submitted to Him. He said, I want you to love me with all of you. The only way you can learn to do that is if you, if you pray and say, God, I give you all of me. Teach me how to love you like that. Teach me how to love myself like that. And teach me how to love others the way you do, the way you love me and the way you love others. 
He's the only one that can lead you there. He's the only one at the end of your life you can say, I've run my, run my race, I've finished my course, I've done what you called me to do. And I have no regrets. I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Listen, if you're in here right now, you don't know this God. He loves you. He cares about you. But he won't, he won't hide you from the truth. The truth about who you are and the things you need to stop doing and the things you need to start doing. He won't hide you from, hide you from the truth that you're going to have to stand up one day. For him to this current culture and this current darkness in our city and in our state. You're going to have to fight the current. You're going to have to join the revolution. You're going to have to have courage and bravery to, to serve this Jesus, the one who was nailed to a cross for us. Our leader that is full of courage, he is courage. He did it because he had a dream. For the joy sent before him, he endured the cross. What joy was that? The dream of saving our lives. He wants to save your life. He was all in, gave his whole life. Now you have to give your life to him. You say, well, I, I can pray that, but I don't know how to do that. Well, I don't either. I have had to pray. I've had to grow closer to him and let him teach me. But don't forsake a small beginning. This is the beginning of the relationship, not the end. But it starts with a prayer. It starts with a, a commitment on your part, a decision that you're no longer going to try to be the God of your own life. And you're definitely not going to listen to the little G-O-D of this world, Satan, who's trying to drag you to hell and destroy and commit every evil and vile act he can to degrade and hurt you and others around you. Mm. God wants to lift you up, change your life. So if that's you, whether online or here in this room right now, if you're online, I want you to send us a message and say, I'm praying for the first time or I'm praying for the next time. I've never prayed and I'm going to pray. Or I've prayed before, but I'm going to pray. I need to be restored. Send that to us online right now. Send us a message here in this room whether it's your first time or your next time, you just need to get right with God before you leave here. You want to be right with God. You need it and want it. On the count of three, I'm asking you just to raise your hand up and then put it down. And we're all going to pray right where you're seated. Here we go. One, two, three. Just raise your hand up and say, it's me. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. All over this room. Thank you. Thank you all. Let's pray. Let's pray with all of them. Let's all pray together. Say this, say, God, I believe you are God and God alone. There are no other gods but you. And you love me. You love us. You sent Jesus. He gave his life for my sins. You raised him from the dead. And he's alive. And because I believe that, I ask you, God, to forgive me for all the times I've disobeyed you, all the sins I've committed. And I receive 
your full forgiveness by the blood of Jesus right now. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord, Jesus Christ, of my life. You laid down your life for me. Now I give my life to you. And I trust you with my whole life. Teach me your will for me, your dream for me, and how to live it until I see you in heaven. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, let's thank God. God bless you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.